following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, as we continue to talk about this subject, let this mind be in you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace to us. And Father, thank you for your love and care for us, Lord, and for the word of God that teaches us what we ought to do, what we need to do, what we need to be. God bless this time, and Father, have your way in every heart uh, for our good and your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, let this mind in you be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. As we're talking about this subject, let's remember that uh, this, the phrase, let this mind be in you, that is the example of the mind and heart of uh, Christ be in you in John 13. If you look there with me, John 13, <clears throat> John 13 beginning in verse 13, John 13 beginning in verse 13, here Jesus said, you call me master and Lord, <clears throat> and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that sent is greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Now he's not again, as I've said so many times, not instituting the, uh, the uh, <clears throat> ordinance of foot washing. And I'm, I'm so thankful that we don't have to do that in church because I'd hate to have to grab hold of one of your smelly feet and wash them. Praise the Lord, we don't have to do that kind of thing. But he's talking about him being an example to us in all things, even in this instance he was giving his example as being a humble servant. Then if you will, looking back to our text in Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, we have already talked about several things concerning let this mind be in you. <clears throat> We've talked about already the mind and heart of unity in verses 1 and 2. Here the Bible says, if there, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. So we're talking about unity <clears throat> and the importance of unity in the Lord's church and uh, and so we, we see the example of Christ. Christ strove for that, teaches us that here in his word. And then we talked about the mind and heart of, of humility. Verse 3, it says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. The humility is defined as uh, a freedom from pride and arrogance, humbleness of mind, a modest estimate of one's own worth. Not an overblown estimate, if you will. <clears throat> uh, Proverbs 15 and 33. Proverbs 15 and uh, verse 33. We see another example of the scripture and the teaching concerning humility. <clears throat> Proverbs 15 and 33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. Sometimes people get that turned around and they seek for honor above uh, first fearing the Lord. And that doesn't mean to live in a cringing fear of God, but rather a devotion, a loving devotion for God because of his goodness to us. Then we talked last time about the mind and heart of living unselfishly. If you look back to Philippians 2 and 4, 
Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4. Here the Bible says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That, this phrase speaks of that we're not to be selfish. We should not let our uh, care and attention be wholly uh, absorbed by our own concerns, but rather, uh, the, and the concerns of our family, but show a tenderness and a, and a desire to help others. And if you will, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 24, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 24 <clears throat> Here the Bible says, let no man seek his own wealth, but every man another's wealth. Now that's not encouraging thievery or, or, or things like that, but rather uh, seeking, to, be, uh, seeking to, to help people to, have, to be their best and uh, what's best for them, if you will. It's not about basically being unselfish toward other people trying to help them to be their best. And then tonight, and let's remember this, as we focus on the needs of others, as we mentioned briefly, uh, uh, we also said as we're, as we're focusing on the needs and helping other people, we need to be careful of not becoming, if you will, um, busybodies busy in other men's matters, which sometimes then leads us to backbite against them when, we get to, when we're so focused on them that we become critical of them. So we need to be careful of that. We talked about that. And then tonight we want to talk about the heart and mind of living obediently. Look with me to Philippians 2. Again, Philippians chapter 2 and uh, verses 5 through 8. Again, we see in Christ this kind of example as our example. In Philippians 2 and 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So we see in Christ's example here, as well, we see the mind and heart of living obediently. Now you say, uh, why, did Christ, why was Christ obedient? Well, folks, if Christ were disobedient, he wouldn't be God. Amen. And sometimes we don't always associate with God the importance of being obedient. Christ came into this world and was obedient in all things, fulfilling the law and, if you will, meeting the need that we had uh, for a, a perfect Savior and sacrifice for our sins. And so we want to talk about the mind and heart of living obediently. And so as we do that, I want to take uh, these three verses and break them down a little at a time and deal with the different phrases that will help us to understand his obedience. And <clears throat> If you will, let's look at verse 6, first of all, where the Bible says, who being in the form of God, speaking of Christ, who being in the form of God, what does that speak of? That speaks that Jesus is God in the flesh. If you will, look at me at Isaiah 7 and 14. Isaiah 7 and verse 14. It's interesting because our Lord Jesus Christ was the man, it's called the man, uh, Christ Jesus, but he is God in the flesh, and he is giving us an example even though he is God, he has given us, uh, uh, us an example as a man, as God, a man of how we're to behave. In Isaiah 7 and 14, the Bible says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Look with me to 
Matthew 1 and 23, excuse me, Matthew 1 and 22 and 23. <clears throat> there are many that do not want to believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh and that the scripture bears this out and it has a reference to what we're talking about uh, in this matter of <clears throat> living obediently. In uh, Matthew 1 and 22, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, uh, and we're talking about the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says here in verse 23, behold a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And the, and the Lord, uh, through an angel, was talking to Joseph, the, the husband of Mary. And then Joseph, being raised from sleep, it is the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, meaning he was not physically involved with her until after she had given, given birth to uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. Knew her not till she had brought forth, forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus, Emmanuel, if you will, God with us in John 1 and 1. John 1 and 1. It's important that we understand just who Jesus is. And it is important in everything that we consider about him in John 1 and 1. John 1 and 1. <clears throat> in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And as a matter of fact, in Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God created. Jesus is the Word, and he is God. He is the creator of the world. Look at verse 14. <clears throat> and the Word, or God, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten, uh, as of the, be, uh, uh, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me, speaking of John Baptist. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared him. So we see Christ, we see God, and it's important uh, that he being in the form of God, or if you will, God in the flesh, Colossians 1, Colossians 1, <clears throat> verses 15 and 16, Colossians 1, verses 15 and 16. Now, I've had people tell me, well, you can't show me in the scripture where, where Jesus is God. The Bible's filled with scripture concerning this truth. In Colossians 1 and 15, who is the image in this, the context is Christ. As a matter of fact, in whom, verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the, even the forgiveness of sins, who is, verse 15, Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Again, speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then 1 Timothy 3 and 16 1 Timothy 3 and uh, verse 16. Here Paul writing to Timothy says this, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. What is godliness? God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, 
seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. Who is that? Who could the Lord be talking about but the Lord Jesus Christ? And then Hebrews 1, Hebrews chapter 1, and beginning in verse 1. Hebrews 1 and verse 1. <clears throat> God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past, in time past of the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed the heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So we find that uh, as we begin to consider Christ, we, we need to first and foremost remember that who being in the form of God, that is, God in the flesh, look back to Philippians 2, <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2, and then we find the phrase, I thought it not robbery to be equal with God, and this phrase speaks of the fact that he did not take by violence that which did belong to him, that is the fact that he is equal with God, because, uh, the <clears throat> because he is God the Son or the Son of God. Look with me to uh, Joshua 5 and uh, verse 13, Joshua 5 and uh, verse 13. <clears throat> As Joshua's anticipating the battle of Jericho, he is uh, out, if you will, uh, can't, uh, observing the battlefield, if you will, and in verse 13 of Joshua 5, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his uh, sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him, and he said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship, and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place where thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Joshua is seeing, if you will, Christ before he had even come to this world. He's seeing not just a vision, but he's seeing Christ coming to this world as the captain of the Lord's host to encourage and strengthen Joshua. And you know what? In many places in the scripture where angels appeared and men sought to worship those angels, they said, don't do it. They said, I'm a, I'm a fellow servant with you. And they, they repeatedly say, worship God. Now, where, where Joshua is before this captain of the Lord's host, he fell to worship before the captain of the Lord's host. And this man, who I believe is Christ, did not reject the worship because he is God in the flesh and he came as God to encourage uh, uh, Joshua. And you know, folks, he, he, didn't, uh, he didn't debate. There was no debate as to who he was. He was equal with God. He is God in John 5 and 18. Look with me to John 5 and verse 18. <clears throat> he did not take that, uh, if you will, mantle of worship upon himself without... Uh, being, having a right to it. In John 5 and 18, the Bible says here, well, let's look at verse 17. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only bro had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. 
Was he wrong to imagine himself to be equal with God? No, he wasn't. He was absolutely not wrong. And yet, the Jews who uh, were looking for Christ to come rejected Jesus Christ as uh, a God in the flesh. In John 8 and, and uh, 54, John 8 and uh, verse 54. <clears throat> Here, Jesus answered, he said, If I honor myself, John 8 and 54, uh, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet have you not known him, but I know him. And, I, and if I should say I know him not, I, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. Now speaking of Abraham who had put his faith in the Christ to come, here Christ has come, even as Abraham believed that he would come. And he said, uh, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. He is saying, he is invoking the name of God that we find in, in Exodus chapter 3 and verses 15 and 16. He's saying, I am God. And they got the message, look if you will, to verse 59. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus uh, hid himself and went uh, out of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by. You know, it was, Christ did not uh, think there was something wrong with him, if you will, being equal with God because he knew himself to be God. In John 10 and 31, Jesus said, I and my father are one. Another example where the Jews took up stones and accused him of blasphemy and wanted to stone him to death. Philippians 2 and 7. Philippians 2 and 7. These things are important as we are concerned with living obediently. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7, we've all already seen that Jesus Christ is God. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God because he is equal with God. He is God. And then it says here in verse 7, but he made himself of no reputation. This phrase speaks of that the fact that he did not seem vain, seek vain and empty distinction and honor among men, but rather the honor that cometh from God the Father only. You know, Jesus didn't come into the world to make a name for himself, but without fail, our Lord Jesus Christ made a name for himself that lives above every other name and will live above every other name in honor and glory, not only in this world, but in the world to come. It's an amazing thing sometimes when we stop to think about how many people want to reject Jesus Christ in the name of Christ, and yet, folks, that his name is still one spoken of with honor and distinction. He has a great reputation before men, even though they tried to malign him. He is known in many places all throughout the world and will continue to be known. And yet Christ did not seek honor, did not seek a reputation, but sought to follow and serve the, the Lord God his Father if you will. And uh, if you will, look me to Psalm 22 and 6. Psalm 22 and 6. <clears throat> Our Lord Jesus Christ did face, as it was prophesied of him, rejection and shame and despising among men for what he would come to do. In Psalm 22 and verse 6, here prophetically the Bible says, and uh, the Lord said of himself, but I am a worm and a no man, a reproach of men, <clears throat> 
and despised of all the people. You know, there's not much, anything much lower than a worm. Amen. And that's what he's speaking of, the lowliness that Christ took upon himself. He didn't come to make a name, though he did, without even trying. He came to be, if you will, one despised and rejected of men for our sake, if you will, Isaiah 53 and 1. Isaiah 53 and verse 1. Isaiah 53 and verse 1. Who hath believed our report? This is the prophet Isaiah speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? When you see a phrase like that, he's speaking of that which is strength and and, uh, uh, power. And he's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ here. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty in him that we should desire him. I think as we read the scripture, and you look at the scripture, Christ was not followed because he was, the, the, if you will, the most beautiful specimen of human being. He was an ordinary man. He was a man that went among men and was not recognized because of any particular physical beauty in him. I think he was an ordinary looking man among men of his days. But the Bible says he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Folks, he went through these things for you and I. It says here, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, Christ came into this world not as the beautiful guy. You know, we have actors and actresses today. You know, years ago, I, used to, I like watching old movies and old television shows. You know, people in the, back in the day <clears throat> were ordinary-looking people. They weren't looking for the beautiful people to be stars and what have you. You know, nowadays... They're looking for the beautiful people. You know, when Christ came into this world, he he didn't come into this world as as a beautiful person. He didn't come to make a name for himself because of his physical beauty, but he came to be, if you will, a, a servant and a savior, one who would give himself for us and folks even be despised and rejected, if you will, Mark 9 and 12. Mark 9 and 12. Christ did not have ambitions of great, of great uh, acceptance in this world. He understood what uh, sinful men would do and how they would treat him for even their own sake. In uh, Mark uh, 9 and uh, verse 12, the Bible says here, and he, and he answered, uh, let's look at verse 11, and, and they asked him saying, uh, why, uh, why say the scribes that Elias must first come? And he answered and told them, <clears throat> Uh, Elias uh, verily cometh first and restoreth all things, uh, how, and, and, uh, and how it is written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be set at naught. You know that phrase, set at naught, means that he would be treated as if he were nothing or worth nothing. And see, Christ didn't come and, and wave a banner and say, I'm here, I'm here. Now, you couldn't, you know, the Bible says in one place that he could not be hid 
I mean, who could, who could not notice that there wasn't something special about our Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, he came doing miracles, manifesting the pow, mighty power of God, and yet he did not come for the glory of man, but he came for the salvation of a man, to be a servant for man in Hebrews 12 and 1. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> Hebrews 12 Verses 1 and 2, Christ also understood that men would reject him, would not accept him, would uh, see to it that he was crucified for them. In Hebrews 12 and 1, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so be easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of god uh, right hand of the throne of god now remember this folks when christ went to the cross of calvary he went there alone he found himself uh, despised he found himself rejected he found himself scorned and mocked and spit on and abused by many of the people that he'd done much good to and at that point, uh, he didn't have much of a high reputation among a lot of those men. And he didn't seek for that because he, you know, he knew that he came into this world not to toot his own horn, so to speak, but he came into this world to make himself a sacrifice for sinners that he might save us uh, by his grace, if you will, <clears throat> looking back to Philippians 2 and 7. Philippians 2 and 7, all of this is laying the groundwork for his obedience, if you will, Philippians 2 and 7, who, <clears throat> but made himself of no re reputation, and then it says, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That is, he made himself a servant to God the Father for us. He made himself a servant to God the Father for us. Isaiah 42, Isaiah 42 and 1, it was prophesied that he would do so. And he did just that. In Isaiah 42 and 1, you know, Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And yet when he came into this world, he came born of a virgin in a stable. In a stable. Not in the, not in the local uh, Bethlehem Hilton, <laughs> but rather a stable. He came as a servant, came born lowly in Isaiah 42 and 1. Behold, my servant upon uh, whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he have set judgment in the earth. And the isles shall wait for his loss. Prophetic of our Lord Jesus Christ. Excuse me, Matthew 12. We see that fulfilled, and Christ speaks of it here in Matthew 12, and beginning in verse 14. <clears throat> the Bible says, Then the Pharisees against him how they might destroy him but when jesus knew it he withdrew himself from thence and a great multitude followed him and he healed them all and he charged them that they should uh, not make him known that it might be fulfilled 
which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. We just read this in Isaiah 42, 1 through 4. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him. He shall show judgment of the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry. Neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. And a bruised reed shall he not break. And smoking flax shall he not quench till he sent, uh, sent for judgment unto victory. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust and, and praise the Lord. Because of his coming, because of what he's done, we Gentiles, we Gentiles have the opportunity if you will, to trust him as Lord and Savior. He did a great service for all of us in Matthew 20. Well, Matthew 20 speaks specifically of the fact that he is a servant in Matthew 20. And looking at verse 25. <clears throat> But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are at great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. His greatest service to man was not that he healed the sick, raised the dead, or what have you, but rather that he came as an obedient servant to his father to sacrifice himself for us to be our savior. Again, Philippians 2 and 8. Philippians 2 and 8. <clears throat> Already, folks, we can see that God the Son made himself obedient to God the Father and his will for his life. The Bible says here in in verse 8, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It was not so much that he was willing to die, but the death in which he died was one of the most infamous and worst kinds of death known to man at that time. He, Christ died as one who was a criminal. You know, criminals were taken and they were beaten, they were abused, and then they were crucified as criminals before the face of all the people. And yet the Bible says Jesus was tempted at all points like as we are, and yet without sin. As a matter of fact, Pilate, when he examined Christ before he was scourged and crucified, he said to him, he said after he examined him, he talked to him, he looked at him, he went back to the religious leadership, he said, I find in this man no fault at all. And yet Christ did not cry out for himself. He did not cry out foul. He let himself be led as a, as a sheep to the slaughter. He let himself be the sacrificial lamb that would shed his blood for the sins of the world. Do something for us that we, we cannot do for ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot uh, redeem ourselves. And yet the Bible says we're redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. He shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What was his motivation? Well, folks, to be obedient, first and foremost, to the Word of God. Matthew 4 and, and verse 1. Matthew 4 and 1. <clears throat> Matthew 4 and 1. Here we find our Lord Jesus Christ as being tempted the devil. As a matter of fact, he goes into the wilderness for that purpose. 
as the Bible says, he is tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, already he's trying to throw doubt upon the very person of Christ. Who is Christ? He is Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh. Amen. He uh, <clears throat> came not to make a reputation, but to be what he was, a man, the man Christ Jesus, the sacrifice. So, so the devil's tempting him, throwing doubt upon his person and tempting him. Jesus answered and said unto him, he's saying, Listen, you know, folks, the devil doesn't come to a Christian when we're strong. He comes to us when we're weak and when we're struggling. And the temptation is greatest when we're weakest. And the devil waited for Christ to become very hungry. He tempts him with uh, not only bread, but he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made, be made bread. It was God's intention that Christ be tempted. His answer to the temptation was, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Where do we find those words? In the Bible. And Christ put a premium a premium upon the importance of the Word of God and obedience to it. He would not disobey the Word of God even to satisfy his own hunger. As a matter of fact, in Job, uh, Job, as he was going through his great trial and difficulty, said this, I have, I have esteemed the words of my mouth, thy mouth more than my necessary food. When Job had nothing else, no health, no wealth, and barely, a very little family left, and when he was discouraged and defeated, still valued uh, the word of God and obedience to it in, jo in James 1 and 22. James 1 and 22. <clears throat> and the Lord would have us in obedience, humble obedience to God, to always seek to obey the word of God. <clears throat> not, not, not to be saved, but because we are saved. Not because we're trying to curry favor with God, but because we favor God, we love the Lord, we want to serve Him. In James 1 and 22, here the Bible says, the Apostle James writes, But be it doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like no man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Folks, no, no one's been any more blessed of the Father than, than the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, because he, because he put a premium on obedience to the word of God, the word of his Father. And, you know, folks, we should follow that example in following the Lord, being, being willing to be obedient First and foremost to uh, the Word of God. Look with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> and then, uh, if you will, obedience not only to the Word of God, but to the will of God. In uh, Hebrews 10 and 5, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then I said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, what book? The Bible is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above when he, sat, he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings, and offering for sin thou wouldst not, neither hadst had pleasure therein, 
which are offered by the law. Then he said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. You know, folks, the Old Testament sacrifices were offered not for salvation, but as a testimony of their faith and the sacrifice of the Christ to come. And when Christ came and fulfilled all of those things, they were no longer necessary to be offered. There was no longer the need for that testimony. Folks, God has given us a testimony in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to do uh, the will of the Father, that will being chief and foremost that he sacrificed himself in John 4. John 4. And uh, if you will, verse 30, John 4. And uh, looking at verse 30, <clears throat> here Christ has gone through the, the city of Sychar, stopped at a well to lead a woman to Christ. And afterward, <clears throat> in verse 30, then uh, they went out of the city and came near unto him, his disciples, that is. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. And he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said his disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Now they're thinking physically, and Christ is speaking spiritually. His hunger, his thirst, the thing that drove him in life was, if he said, as he says here in verse 34, Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. You know, folks, the thing that motivated and drove his life and everything that he did was seeking to be obedient to the word of God and the will of God in John 6 and 38. John 6 and 38. And again, as our, as our theme is, uh, let this mind be in you. We need to have the same mind and heart as, as Christ had. In John 6 and 38, it says here, Jesus said, For I came, not, uh, came uh, down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him uh, that sent me, if you will, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, <clears throat> and looking at verses 9 and 10, Matthew 6, verses 9 and 10, as, as our Lord Jesus Christ was teaching his disciples, he was teaching them about prayer here, and he says in Matthew 6 and 9, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. As it is in heaven, folks, we ought to, as we pray to the Lord every day, seek to be obedient to doing God's will every day in our lives and pray that God would help us to, to be obedient to his word and to his will in Luke 22. Luke 22. <clears throat> and if you will look at verse 39, Luke 22 and 39. <clears throat> The Bible says, and he came out, speaking of Christ, and went as he want to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples uh, followed him, also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if, it, if, thy, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Again, the cup. He spoke up as he was going to drink the cup of the fierceness and wine of wrath, the, the, the wine of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God for us. He would do all of that. He would take that. He would drink all, take all upon himself. But he said, if, if thou be willing, 
remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed the more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer, he was come to his disciples and found them asleep for, uh, for sorrow. And he said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. But even as Christ is in the garden of Gethsemane, he's praying, seeking to do the Father's will. He said, If it's, if it's possible, please let this cup pass from me. Now, folks, Jesus Christ is God and he's a man. He is God and he is a man. Now, he's tempted, never sinned, but tempted. And as the man Christ Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, he's praying for the will of God to be done and that he would maybe be able to do the will. The Bible says in verse 43, And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Folks, if we're going to do the will of God, it should be, it should be our hearts, our mind and heart's desire to be obedient to the word of God and to the will of God. But we need strength from heaven to do so. Our Lord Jesus Christ is God in the man, Christ Jesus. He had the help of God from heaven itself to do the will of the Father. If you will, look at Luke 9, Luke 9 and 21, Luke 9 and 21. <clears throat> The Bible says, he, speaking of Christ, charged them, his disciples, and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake the same shall save her. For what is a man advantaged if he shall gain the whole world or lose himself, and lose himself or be cast away? He's not talking about losing your salvation, but to, if you will, in one sense, to, for his life to be shipwrecked, ruined. Folks, the Lord wants us to be even as Christ, be willing to take up the cross, the place of service, the thing that God wants us to do daily. And you know, folks, we can only do that ourselves, be willing to follow the Lord in cross-bearing, doing the will of the Father, by the grace and help of the Father, if you will. Isaiah 50, Isaiah 50. <clears throat> and look at verse 5, Isaiah 50, and verse 5. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away my back, uh, turned away back, I gave my back to the smiters, this is a prophetic of Christ, my cheeks to them that plucked off my hair, meaning they plucked out the hair of his beard. Can you imagine that? Now, most ladies don't understand what it is to have a beard. Praise the Lord for that, amen. But can you imagine, uh, you know, someone taking and literally with pincers pulling out each individual hair? Now, picture, ladies, if you're going to shave your legs. Someone coming along and pulling the hair out. Can you imagine having to do that to get, to get the hair off your legs? Well, terrible. But we're talking about the pain, the suffering you went through. I had not my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Now, speaking prophetically of Christ, it says, For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, 
and I know that I shall not be ashamed. You know, the prophet is speaking prophetically of Christ, and Christ is looking to the God the Father and expressing that his help is to be found in God, even as our help to, to be obedient to the word of God and the will of God is in the Lord. And Colossians 1, Colossians 1 and verse 27, Colossians 1. I know some of the ladies are going to go home and have nightmares about someone plucking the hair off their legs. No, that's not why we said that, amen. Colossians 1 and 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. You know, Paul served the Lord, striving to help people to get saved and help them to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. And folks, in his, in his great ministry and service for God, to man, he suffered much. He suffered much. But you know, he looked to the Christ that dwelt within him for the help to serve him. In Philippians 4 and 13, Philippians 4 and 13, Paul writes here, <clears throat> I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And you know, folks, Christ the Bible says, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He was God in the flesh. He didn't come to make a reputation for himself, and yet his name is above every other name. His name will never be forgotten. When You know, folks, when other so-called great men who have lived to make a reputation for themselves in this world, when they have died and their name has gone and, and disappeared... No longer known to anyone. The name of our Lord Jesus Christ will live forever in heaven, will live for eternity. And we will sing his praises one day in heaven. And you know what, folks? Christ did what he even did with the help of heaven. And you know what, folks? The Lord wants us to do. Follow his example. Be obedient unto the Lord by the grace of God unto death. You know, the life that God's given us, he's given us to not live for ourselves, not live to bring honor and glory to ourselves, but live to bring honor and glory to our Lord Jesus Christ and knowing that we can only do that by being obedient to him with the help of heaven from him. Amen. You know, folks, let us follow his example. Let this mind, this mind be in you. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.